you. It's so good to see all of you this morning, and I'm excited to have the opportunity to share with you this morning while our pastor is away. And this Memorial Day weekend, as, as John's been talking about and how we're so thankful for those who have uh, given their lives so we can experience the freedoms that we, that we have. And you know, when I think about memorials and Memorial Day, uh, one memorial I always think back to is at A&M and the Memorial Student Center, the MSC. And I remember going to A&M back when I was a junior in high school and visiting campus for the first time. And I remember seeing like signs like, do not step on the grass there in the student center and like take your hat off when you go in there. And it was like, what's all this about? You know, and then, you know, people that I don't know about A&M or stuff, they're like, man, why are they so militant about all that kind of stuff there and making sure you don't step on the grass here and you have to take your hat off there. And um, what it is is that the student center there is actually a memorial and that memorial was building was built back in the, in the early 50s. And when they got ready to, to build that, there were some students that were, Thinking, hey, we need to have a memorial for, for Aggies who've given their life in our country through World Wars One, World War Two, And then there was also this need for a student center. So they said, hey, we're just going to combine them into one. So they have the Memorial Student Center there at A&M. And that uh, building is memorial for, for Aggies who've, who've passed away in service to their country and then future Aggies that will pass away in service to our country. And, you know, that's a reason that Aggies are passionate about that because it is a memorial. And, you know, we think about, you know, maybe some different memorials you've experienced during in your life. And we can think about uh, memorials that are, that are set up throughout our country. But, you know, as I think about that student center, I think about, you know, one day at A&M, that student center is going to come to an end. One day that's going to disappear and that's going to be torn down. And, you know, we look around um, statues that are erected and we see statues all the time don't get moved or taken down that they're memorial to something. And now that's been removed. We've seen, you know, schools that were named after people to where as time passes, those names begin to change on those schools. Uh, we think about dates on calendars where memorials maybe used to exist that now they've changed or they shifted. Because, you know, the memorials of man shift and change and even go away. But morals that, that God established remain. And, and today we're going to partake in one of those in the coming of the Lord's Supper and one of the ordinances of the church that is a memorial for us. So this Memorial Day, not only remember our veterans or those who have passed away, but we also have an opportunity to come and remember about what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us um, almost 2,000 years ago. Um, it's been a while at First Baptist Church as we've gone uh, through COVID, that COVID affected a lot of things, and it also affected how we take the Lord's Supper, hasn't it? And, and I remember the early days of COVID, we sat there and we were able to distribute one of these to everybody at home. And we did the Lord's Supper online, virtually, for everybody to come together. And at the time, as we were isolated, there was this feeling of, of bonding together, wasn't it? As we were able to do that individually in our homes, um, but together with our church. And, and that was a, a great substitute, but to me, probably fell a little bit short of the experience of us being able to gather here together this morning as a church body to do that. And then as COVID developed, we were all able, you know, transpired, we were able to come back here together, but definitely we still wanted, we stayed with the pre-package just to keep everything. And also, and these are a great tool, but if anybody wants to honestly tell me you just love these wafers, 
I might call you a liar, but yeah, these flavors probably aren't the best tasting. The juice might always taste the best. So when we have the Lord's Supper, you're like, I really have to want to take part of this meal, and I'm really going to have to endure for those. But, but you know, they were, they've been a great tool for us. Well, we're excited today for the first time since before COVID, we're going to be passing the trays today. So that's um, exciting time that we're going to be able to, to do that and come together as a church body and doing that. Um, also, just to say now, when we do that at the end, these are still available. The deacons will have them as they serve that. So if you're still more comfortable with that, please um, take those. But, but we're excited about being able to partake in the, the Lord's Supper this morning. Here at First Baptist Church, we usually do the Lord's Supper about four to five times a year. So sometimes you may be like, man, I can't remember when we did the Lord's Supper's Supper last. Or maybe you missed that Sunday we did and you're like, man, it seems like it's been forever. But we usually do about four, time, four to five times a year we come together and, and we ask, you know, all of our baptized believers that we are welcome to come and join in the Lord's Supper with us when we take that. So, you know, maybe you're new or you haven't been, um, been coming recently or guests, right? Why do we even take the Lord's Supper? What, what, what's the, the deal with that? What's, you know, I, I kind of know, but I kind of don't know. Why do some churches do it this way and that way? Is there a right way or a wrong way? You know, why, why do we take the Lord's Supper? And, you know, I remember just as a child, I remember thinking, well, I can't wait to the day that I could take the Lord's Supper. I remember sitting there with my parents in church. They'd be like, nope, you know, you know that juice and bread, this looks so good. And you're like, mom, dad, why can't I have that? You know, I've been waiting all church and I'm hungry for something, you know, but, but, you know, as a child, I remember, okay, when's that time going to be? Why, why can I take it yet? And then my parents would explain to me that, that, you know, once you come to that point of making a decision for Christ and you give your life to him and you're a Christian, then you can take in, in the Lord's Supper once you're, once you're a baptized believer in that. I remember that excitement when I finally got to take the Lord's Supper that first time. And then I remember afterwards, you know, probably wasn't always as excited as that first time. And thinking back as I've taken Lord's Supper, you know, sometimes I just take them out of ritual. Sometimes I just take it because the plate comes and the tray comes and I take the bread and eat it and the juice comes. You know, and I think especially as we've, you know, like I said, these were great. But as we take these, sometimes it just happens so quick there's not a lot of time to, to really reflect upon what we're doing as we come to the table. It's kind of the, the convenience food of the Lord's Supper, I guess, you know. But, um, but I really want us to think this morning as we come to the Lord's table this morning that, I, you know, I, I wanted us to kind of reflect a little bit and to think and really talk about and, and dive into what's the Lord's Supper supposed to be? You know, how are we supposed to approach it um, is it just something we do, or is there more to it than that? So um, we find in 1 Corinthians in chapter 11 that we're going to find Paul here talking to the church in Corinth. And they've been taking the Lord's Supper, and, he, and he's seeing what's going on in this church, and he's saying, okay, before, before you're taking this supper, if you're taking this supper and it's meaning what it's supposed to mean, I don't see how that could be with the way that you're acting. Because they look in a church and we find in there that uh, sexual morality is, is, is running rampant in the church. We see a church where, you know, as they're getting ready to take the Lord's Supper, we find in the first part there, starting in verse 17, he talks about people coming and they've been, they're already drunk with wine before they even get to take the supper. We find some that are indulging all before the supper and they have all these riches and they're sitting there indulging before and then they take the Lord's Supper, and then there's brothers and sisters in Christ that don't have anything, 
and they don't see a problem with that. They don't even recognize that. And, and we, we see these, and, and Paul witnesses these, and he's like, okay, this is something that needs to be addressed within the church. So he says, okay, we need to begin to focus them because what he was seeing is the Corinthians had really begun to focus upon themselves. And, and, and they really weren't seeing what God was wanting them to see and living how God wanted them to, to live because if he was, they were living how he had called them, they'd be living differently. And when they approached the Lord's Supper, they would approach it differently than how they were approaching it. So Paul uses the next few verses to, to focus them in on the right thing. So today we're going to kind of look and, and say, how does God want us to, to look and approach the Lord's Supper? So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 24, going through verse 28. So the first thing that we see is he calls us to, to look backward. He's saying, hey, to look back. In verse 24, he says, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. At the Lord's table, Christ calls us to look back and remember what he had done for us on the cross. And sometimes... Remembering can be easy, but sometimes remembering can be hard, right? So you're surprised about the things that you forget sometimes or maybe some things that you forgot that you never thought that you forgot. Or as I'm getting older, I'm beginning to realize the more I have to remember, the more that I'm forgetting all the time and everything. It's just like, you know, we have memory problems. And God knows that we have memory problems. He made us. He knows that our memory can be short-term. So by setting up this Lord's Supper, he's saying, hey, this is to be a reminder for you to look back and, and to remember. And he says, and to remember me. And you know, when we look back and, and remember things, that, you know, I think for us to, to like truly look back is to, to bring our mind back to that point and to and to recapture as much details about the event and the importance of the event it is to us. Whenever we look back and we reflect, and he says, do this in remembrance of me. You know, I think back to, to my wedding day. You know, like, what are all the details that I capture? What are the things that I remember from that day? And I remember being at the old church downtown and being in the sanctuary there, and I remember standing up there on that stage of that beautifully decorated church, standing there, uh, just kind of butterflies in my stomach. I'm like, I can't believe the most beautiful bride's about to walk down that aisle and she's going to come and we're going to make vows together and that she chose me to walk alongside this life, this life with her. You know, and just all this sad and then, then thinking of, of, of Barry that was there and my dad that was there performing the services and then looking out in the faces that I saw and some of those faces I still see here with us this morning that um, it was a great day and thinking about those just brings back an excitement, a memory, a reality. It was just that moment in time and that memory, that remembrance that takes me back to that. I remember uh, the day that my, my firstborn, Noah, that he was born. I remember my firstborn child and the day he was born. I remember, you know, that night, she's like waking me up in the middle of the night like, Jason, I think it's time. And I'm like, you think so? She's like, yes, it's time. 
get in the car, let's go. And, you know, get in the car. I remember driving to Beaumont thinking, praying that the interstate's open. There's not any wrecks or anything. We're good to go. We didn't have Siri to ask before. They didn't tell us if it was the roads were clear or anything. And, and we get there and we, and we take her in there and they're checking her out. And we're like, is it time? And the nurse says, oh yeah, she's staying. She ain't going anywhere. You know, we're keeping her here and going up there and Remembering those moments is just waiting for this this boy to make his entrance as we've been praying for him and been inside the stomach and just feeling like, when's he coming out? When's he going to come out? You know, and and then that moment when he made his appearance and then they're, they, they they bring him out and they're like, here you can cut the umbilical cord and I'm like, really? All right, <laughs> yeah, and getting to do that and then them cleaning him up and wrapping him up and and putting him in my arms and looking at Shelly and then you know just thinking what a gift of God that he was and thinking about, oh my goodness, I can't believe God's given me this gift that now he's entrusting with me and Shelly at this point. Um, those memories, when you remember back, something special, isn't it? it? It takes you back to a place. I remember when I was nine years old and I was at Piney Woods Baptist Encampment for a children's camp. I remember sitting out there in the pew and I remember a preacher that night talking. I just remember this stirring inside of me that said, you need to respond. It's time for you to come. I've been calling you. It's time for you to come. And, and I wasn't a kid that just wanted to stand up and run down the aisle. I was more likely to sit back and, and, and stay there. But I felt that night, nope, God's calling me. It's time. I remember walking down that aisle and sitting up front of that tabernacle there and, and talking to the preacher for just a second and then stepping out and counseling with my dad. My dad was there as a counselor and, and talking with him that night about what God was calling me. I remember praying that moment of salvation of praying him to come into my life, the Lord of my life, and to follow after him. I remember that, just like yesterday in ways. You know, our memories take us back and it causes remembrance and in, in something inside of us. When he says, do this in remembrance of me, he's taking us back to the cross. He's taking us back to, to remembering the, the sacrifice they paid for us, even to think as, a, as God and to come here in human flesh and to walk and dwell among us, to think about what that took for him just humility-wise and just to come and experience what we experience, just to even experience hunger and thirst, to experience pain. And then as it comes to the cross, to think about the, the pain that he endured for us and the lashes that, that he took for us. And as we come and he says do this in remembrance of me he's wanting us to take us back to remember and remember that he came and why he came and that he loves us so much that he came and he endured that for us so as we take the lord's supper this morning that that we we go back in our mind to those points and we remember about the price that was paid and what the cross looks like he wants us to look back and remember because it reminds us how much that he loves us. So not only does he want us to, to look back and remember, but I think if we look in verse 25, he wants us to, to look upward as well. It says, in the same way, after supper, he took the covenant saying, this supper is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The Lord's Supper is a reminder to us that we are to that we are in covenant with the Lord, that that He's made a covenant with us, this new covenant. When of course 
When I think upward first, since we have basketball in here and upward basketball always, hey, that's where my mind goes when I hear upward. But, you know, if you think here about upward, that it directs us up to him. You know, upward basketball, we do all that we do with the kids. Why? We want to direct the children toward the Lord and look upward. Well, here he's reminding you, hey, you're under a new covenant. You're not under the old covenant any longer. And, the, and, we, and we take for granted the new covenant that we're under. We think about the Jews in the old, old covenant as, as their sacrifice, they would come and make their sacrifices, but that sacrifice was, was never enough. They'd have to come back again and again and again. There wasn't a permanent sacrifice. But we see in Jesus that now in the new covenant that that debt has been paid and that we can rejoice under God's graces and sit under the new covenant that's been made for us. So how often do, do we look up and we're thankful for that? Because um, as we take the Lord's Supper, it should remind us to, to look upward and thank God for his grace poured out for us in this new covenant. And then in verse 26, he reminds us to, to look outward. He says, for whatever you, <clears throat> whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The Lord's Supper reminds us to reach out and proclaim the gospel to those around us. You know, it's one thing to, to sit in here and as we take the Lord's Supper in a minute and to proclaim he is Lord and to follow after him as we sit in here in the service among all the believers. But isn't it another thing when we proclaim him outside these walls. You know, people are proclaiming things all over the place and they proclaim them very loudly in some ways. And, you know, just look around, turn the news. You know, we have um, issues with abortion right now. We have people on both sides that are proclaiming their passions in that. Second Amendment rights, we have people on both sides proclaiming that very loudly. You know, how are we proclaiming what it means to be a Christian out in our community? And I've been, um, scroll through Facebook this time of year, you see parents posting all kinds of awards their kids got, right? All the certificates and everything, they're kind of proclaiming back and, hey, look at what my kid's done, you know, and, and all these great accomplishments that our kids have gotten and that we're, we're using that to, to proclaim and put that out there, you know. How are we working at proclaiming the gospel? How are we looking at communicating that? Because, you know, it's one thing to proclaim him by, by putting a post on Facebook or by wearing a T-shirt or doing something. But as Christians, our proclamation really is how we go about living our life. Do we live a life that reflects the one that we follow? Because our, our, our lives should say, I'm a believer. And then as people see that, it gives us the opportunity to then share with words what it means to be a follower of Christ and, and why I make the choices that I make and why my family lives the way that they live um, is because not only do we hear the words of Jesus, but we live the words of Jesus, that we live the way that he's called us to live, that, that we're called to, to look outward and to proclaim that to others. So, you know, how are you proclaiming the, the gospel with maybe your family, you know, with your friends, with your coworkers, maybe with, you know, students with kids in your classes? You know, 
Do they see something in your life that proclaims Christ? If it doesn't, that's what we need to work on because our words fall short. I'm sure the Corinthians said a lot of words, but whenever the people in the community said, what? I don't see where that matches up because, you know, the, the, the Corinthians had allowed, instead of being an influence upon their community, they allowed their city, their community to influence them. I believe it took away their powerfulness and effectiveness whenever now they're looking just like the rest of the world. So we're, we're called to look outward. Who, who's God calling you in life to reach out to? to um, what circles of influence has he put you in? And what's going to amaze you are the people that are watching your life to see how you measure up to what you say, to what you believe, or the people that you don't even really know are looking because they're watching. So not only are we called to, to look outward, but we're also called to look forward in, in verse 26. It says, for, whatever, for whenever you eat or drink the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Yeah. We look back, but we're also supposed to look forward. Because, you know, sometimes as we're doing the elements we, we do, we remember back to the to the the cross and the, the blood and his body that was beaten and bruised. But we remember that that's not the end of the story, that we're looking forward to his return, that the, the grave wasn't the end. But there's an exciting day to come when he's returned. And sometimes as Christians, I think we're so busy clinging on to things here that we forget there's something better that we need to be excited about that motivates us and moves us. Whenever, you know, whenever you have something coming, it gets you excited, right? Whenever you look, when you look forward, you know, this time of year, I'm always, always looking forward to summer vacation. We usually take ours a little later in the summer. So it's like, when's it going to get here? It can't get here soon enough. You know, you look on Facebook and you see people that are already on vacation right now. And you're like, oh man, you know, but, but there's that excitement of waiting and looking forward. That is, as Christians, we should have that excitement of looking forward. And what does it mean for us to to, to look forward in that we're proclaiming that to others and others see that excitement in us in looking forward. So we're to look forward. Then also we're to look inward. In verses 27 and 28 it says, So then, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. God wants us to use the Lord's Supper as a time of examination. You know, and remember as he's looking at the Corinthians here, he's saying, oh man, how can y'all come and proclaim the Lord when everything in your life testifies otherwise? And he says, okay, you really need to do some self-examination. Um, you know, I've discovered self-examinations are pretty tough, aren't they? You know, if we're really honest with ourselves. Sometimes we even want to avoid that and not even go there, right? because we don't want to have to deal with some of those things. You know, whenever we begin to, to think about, look and say, okay, what do I need to do? But um, it's important for us to, to look and see, how am I examining? You know, what are, what are things that I need to be doing? I think whenever I'm, you know, maybe had a parenting issue with my kids and I've been having to talk to my kids and maybe I lose my temper or do something I shouldn't do. And then, you know, I come back afterwards and I'm, and I'm just thinking to myself like, how could I have handled that situation better? You know, is there something else I could have done 
that could have created a better result. That there's that point of like self-examination. And, you know, not always just putting it off on the other person. Because, you know, sometimes I think even as believers, it's easy for us to compare ourselves to others and say, oh, well, I'm not like so-and-so at least. You know, and the examination turns me versus someone else instead of me and who God wants me to be. You know, so it's important for us to, to come to those points of self-examinations. And I think, you know, as this morning, that, that would we ever ask ourselves questions and maybe some questions such as these as we come to this point of self-examination this morning. You know, am I living a life that testifies to being a Christian? Am I simply at odds with somebody? Is there some relationship that I need to go make right? And I'll be an obedient to what he's called me to do. Or are there some areas in my life that I'm hanging on to that I don't want to hear what God has to say about them? Am I being repentant of my sins? Am I coming before him and confessing those sins or I'm just, oh, his blood covers over it. I don't need to worry about dealing with my sins. He's already taken care of that. You know, am I really coming before him and being repentant? Am I, am I trusting him and him alone for my salvation? Or I begin to think, hey, maybe my good works come into play to this somehow. Or do I really believe and trust in him for my salvation? Is there, is there that any sins that I need to come and, and to confess to him? Am I truly loving the Lord and the things that, that he loves? If the Corinthians had been doing some of that self-examination, their church would have been to look different. Their lives would have been different. And I believe their community probably would have began to look different if they began to examine themselves in such a way as Paul was calling them to. But sometimes I think when we hear those verses and I hear, I think, oh my goodness, I just need to let this thing pass right on by me because I see all that stuff and I think, man, I examine myself and it's not pretty. But, and when we think, you know, am, am, am I good enough? Am I worthy enough? You know, I've made a lot of mistakes this week. I don't know if I can take the Lord's Supper. Or as we were trying to get the kids loaded up this morning and get them out of the house and get them all dressed, I just exploded on them. So, you know, I don't know if I can take the Lord's Supper. And, and we begin to beat ourselves down with some stuff. But if we think that Paul is saying that Christians must be worthy of the blood of Jesus before we can participate in the Lord's Supper, there wouldn't be any point in passing the tray because none of us would be able to do that. The Lord's Supper is for, isn't for the sinless, but it's for those who are dealing with their sin on a heart level as they are walking with Christ. That as we come... This should be a point of just kind of helping us do all these things of looking backwards and inwards and forwards and back and upward. That, that it's bringing us to that point. And then, you know, I believe it should change how we, how we leave this place from when we came here this morning. Because we all need these reminders. We all need these points of reflection. I pray that this morning that this isn't just a ritual that comes and goes. But it's something that's really meaningful in our lives. Each and every time that we come and take the Lord's Supper because we need these reminders in our life. Um, but maybe there, there's some here this morning that, that have never come to that point. As I was talking earlier about my salvation experience when I was nine, maybe you've never come to a point in your life of saying, Jesus, I want to make you my Lord and Savior. 
that, that, that not only do I believe you who you say you are, that I want to follow after you and I want to be obedient to you and I'm going to trust you with my life. Um, maybe you've never come to that point. You've been wrestling and you've been hanging on. We'd love to visit with you afterwards about what it means to, to come to that point and, and turn it all over to him and to follow after him and what it means to become a follower of Christ. We'd love to visit with you about that or, or just contact us this week. We'd love to set up an appointment or a time to visit with you about what it means to come to the Lord's table. But I'm excited this morning as we have the opportunity to come to the Lord's table. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you so much that we have this time together to, as a church congregation that maybe we even took for granted before COVID that we could all gather here as a church body. And there's just something about being together with brothers and sisters in Christ and, and partaking in this meal and all that we've talked about this morning that's going to point and direct us towards you, God, and help draw us closer to you. Father, again, we just thank you for, for all that are here and for this time that we have to come. It's my prayer. Amen. Oh,